I think the promise of 5G, IoT, edge computing, content, all come together to create a very personalized world for you. And I believe the biggest question that people should be asking us in the boardroom today is, how am I adapting my business and transforming my business, my business processes to deal with this bold new world? How do I march my company to this new decade to meet this new demanding consumer? And that's the journey that we are helping our customers make today. Welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. So we're here in New York. We're at the National Retail Federation's NRF 2020 event. And today I had the pleasure of being joined by Abe Ingle. Abe, great to see you. Thanks for making time to catch up with me. Thank you, Des. So uh, Abe, you're the Senior Vice President of AT&T Business and Warner Media's uh, Go to Market, uh, which will delve into it a bit more inside AT&T Business. Before we kick into that role and what it entails, I wonder if we could maybe just uh, do a little segue sideways and help our audience get to know you a bit better, a bit more, uh, I guess, a, b- a bit of background around you personally, where you're from, where you grew up, any fun little anecdotes of that period of your life, and then uh, maybe some highlights of your academic and career path that brought you to this exciting role. Perfect. So you're going to tell this from as we have a conversation from my accent, but I grew up in Mumbai, India. Right. Okay. And... Um, I'm the only non-doctor for my entire family, okay? And I was very fortunate to have a set of very progressive parents who encouraged me to try new areas to the point where one, one, one point when I was in the fifth grade, my mom enrolled me in a computer coding class against my wishes. Wow. And let's just say that changed the course of my life. I discovered I was really good at it. By the time I was in eighth grade, I was selling commercial software. And I decided that it made sense for me at that point, this is in the late 80s, early 90s, that it made sense for me to come to the United States because that was the center of computing uh, at that point in time. Indeed. So um, lo and behold, I applied for a few years colleges. I got a full scholarship. And at age 18, I showed up in the United States with two bags in my hand, never even visited as a tourist before. Wow. Okay. Um, I ended up getting uh, degrees, undergraduate degrees in computer science and mathematics, and I know it's fashionable today, but I actually had a honors thesis in computer science 25 years ago or more in actually neural networks and artificial intelligence. Wow. So it becomes very relevant to what we're doing. Now, you'd think all of that leads to a, leads to a profession directly in that, uh, in that computing field, but no, I decided to take the path less Jordan. I actually went and worked at a consulting firm called McKinsey for a few years, and then decided it probably made sense for me to go get a much more of a formal education. So went off to a couple of years in business school. I went to Harvard where I got a degree in marketing and finance uh, in the MBA program. Okay. And after that, I went back to McKinsey for a few years, worked at a few Silicon Valley companies, and then got drawn into AT&T as mobile and data was coming together. Wow. That's what got me to AT&T. Well, it's quite an amazing pedigree when I was, I was doing my homework on kind of not so much your current role, but certainly your background. Uh, I had to go back and check my facts a couple of times. I was like, wow, you, how did you fit that much into one <laughs> lifetime? Um, and congratulations on all of that. Um, uh, hopefully you didn't get disowned by your family after going on a different direction than being another doctor in the crew. Uh, but I, I, from that, I, you know, I think um, in many ways we're all probably the same, but uh, if our parents, particularly our mothers, are, are supportive and behind us in what we are passionate about, we can often do great things. Uh, I had a very similar situation where my parents were very supportive of what I did, no matter how much it sounded wacky at the time, and uh, that set me up for a very exciting lifetime as well. I wonder if we can just uh, quickly get an outline of 
the actual role you currently have. So your, your title is Senior Vice President of AT&T Business and WarnerMedia's go-to-market, uh, quote-unquote, as it were. Um, maybe if you can just give us a little bit of insight into kind of what that role entails, specifically in the context of AT&T. Certainly. Over the last few years, AT&T has really transformed as a company. As you know, we've been through several different mergers, including buying DirecTV, uh, WarnerMedia, which is arguably one of the two largest content libraries in the entire world, and then also buying and creating a directed advertising company called Xander, which mm -hmm. is very deep in advertising and analytics. Our chairman refers to this as a modern media company, okay. right? When you think of the AT&T part bringing the technology and the world-class connectivity, uh, WarnerMedia bringing world-class content, Xander bringing world-class data analytics, and the ability to deliver the message to the right point. The question is, how do we transform right. what we supply to our customers along the dimensions of these various assets we have? That's essentially what I'm working on right now with the rest of the company. How do we take these incredible assets and allow our customers to transform their business, especially as we're at the dawn of a new decade going forward? Well, it's certainly a large challenge, isn't it? Because, I mean, each of those organizations as a brand alone are behemoths in the positive sense of things, that they have very broad remits, very deep capabilities. To, to be able to leverage each of those strengths and capabilities is yet another challenge. And I, I'm sure you jump out of bed every morning uh, rapidly looking to get to work and figure out how to tackle that. With all that in mind, I mean, what, is it, what does a day in the life of Army look like? Well, what, what's the general day for you entail? What, what sort of exciting things do you challenge with on a day-to-day -day basis? Think of that as doing two pieces. That is the strategy piece or the execution piece, right? Okay. When you're talking about the strategy piece, you're talking about exactly what you asked. How do these different piece parts come together? How do you take uh, the world-class content that we have? You deliver it to consumers at the right point, okay, in a way that is creating an immersive experience for the brand that we're working with. Right. right, so they can actually create that connection to their customer and allow them to convert a consumer into a customer. Right okay. now, that's that's the strategy piece of how do you actually do it. The execution piece very similarly starts with just customers. Mm -hmm. We take a particular customer; it could be a retailer, it could be a manufacturer, and say, what are the objectives that this particular customer have, and what do we do to knit the different assets that we have today to deliver it. So I got to work with the AT&T sales and solutioning team. Yeah. I have to work with the WarnerMedia uh, content and solutions team, and then the Xander targeting teams to say, how do we take what this customer wants to do and make it come alive for them? That's pretty much what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is customer-centric, focusing on allowing them to achieve their goals, utilizing these different assets. Well, let's talk about the AT&T and Time Warner merger uh, in, in light of that. Um, uh, I mean, AT&T recently acquired Time Warner, uh, now known as uh, Warner Media Group, I believe. Um, I'd love to talk about what that means in the brief of, I, I guess, in the context of businesses in the first place, and then we can sort of talk about consumer side of things. Um, how has this impacted or, or, or I guess, uh, empowered new and exciting things from a business perspective as far as your consumers go, that blend between AT&T as a brand and AT&T business underpinning that, and the Warner Media Group? What are some of the big outcomes from that? You've, you've touched on those a moment. Maybe we can maybe just dive into those yeah. a bit more. Most companies are experiencing digital transformation today. Indeed. And when they're going through a digital transformation process, it really forces their CIO and CMO organizations to work together. Right. Because you're looking to try to blend the technology to deliver experience for their customers. Right? If you step back for a second and think about what that entails, right? it means the CIO organizations and the CMO organizations should be working with suppliers who understand what both sides are looking to do and allow them to marry those objectives to deliver real outcomes, right. which is right. increased revenue, better customer satisfaction, better service, 
better efficiencies. Yeah. And that's a place where we're very unique because AT&T Business has always worked the CIO side. Warner Media and Xander have worked on the CMO side. Right. So we're one of the few companies that actually has both assets to bring together to bear upon this problem. With, uh, with, with some of these things uh, now, I guess, becoming a day-to-day -day, uh, part of your reality, how has this changed your, your role overall as far as um, you know, you've talked briefly about sort of what the day in the life looks like? There must have been some fairly uh, fundamental shifts in kind of what that role entails in blending those. I guess, you know, as you said, it's, it's both inside each of the businesses as well as your, your consumers. Um, are you finding now it's, it's leaning more towards the customer facing things or are you still spending a lot of the time inside both of the organizations just helping them? find their feet as to how they're going to work together and go to the market together. What are some of the big shifts in that role itself and, and how you juggle that balance? The role is actually very new, Des, so we are, right. really, we are just really learning how to work with customers in this new paradigm, right? But stepping back for a second, prior to this role, I used to be the Chief Digital Officer for AT&T Business and I was also right. working with the team that created vertically relevant marketing and go-to-market strategies for our customers. Okay. And as you get into start working with different verticals, you're not just trying to sell them technology, you're trying to sell them technology that solves their business problems and allows them to achieve an outcome. And it became very clear at that point that we needed to work with just more than just the CIO house. Right, so in some right. ways, this is a very natural evolution. What every company is going to have to do is work with businesses to get to different business outcomes, and that can be inherently messy because you do have to work across the organization. You have to bring different disciplines together but I believe that's where the magic happens when you cross different disciplines and make them work together today. You mentioned uh, Xander uh, uh, a moment ago, and I'd love to just quickly dive into that as well. Uh, it's, it's certainly uh, on everyone's tongues here as a topic uh, at NRF 2020 uh, here in New York, and, and you've got some great stuff on the floor for people to come and see in your booth. Um, let's talk just briefly about the company, its remit, and I guess uh, then in part its offerings and solutions. Uh, my understanding is that in 2018, AT&T formed a, a new business called Xander. Its focus and remit was to look at uh, emerging and new emerging market opportunities around advertising analytics. Uh, I wonder if you could just give us a quick brief on, on Xander, the organization, and in part some of their solution offerings. Yeah. So think of Xander as attacking an area called addressable audiences for brands, which results in personalized advertising for consumers. And the difficulty in doing that has always been how do you actually get past the 20, 30 year old paradigm of age? and gender as right. the basis upon which to find a broad audience and then hope that your message reaches the intended audience. What Xander does very simply is to visualize the situation. As you know, AT&T owns DirecTV. Mm -hmm. Imagine that there are three of us watching the exact same program on DirecTV and we're all neighbors. Now, if you, Des, are one of the intended targets of a particular advertising campaign, even though we're watching the same program on the same network, only you are going to see a particular advertisement. Right. That's what we can do. That's a 100% addressable audience. That's not taking a shot at saying, hey, let's hit 3 million impressions. We're saying, let's hit the audience that you want to. Mm. And we can mm. do that because we actually own DirecTV. We own their media technology to deliver that. And we have a one-to-one -one relationship with its consumers. We can actually do that. Yeah. And a lot of the content that we have with WarnerMedia allows us to create these very personalized experiences for customers. I guess it's like a, a one, two, three knockout blow win for everybody from the consumer's point of view, uh, from the service provider's point of view and the retailers, and also from your point of view, because you've got the content infrastructure and platform, you've got the fabric and some of the new emerging technologies, which we'll get into in a moment. 
Um, it seems to me that the, the whole mix of the Xander and AT&T business solution actually answers and solves a large part of that solution stack that retailers are looking for, particularly in, in their need for the ability to leverage data-driven decision-making. Uh, I wonder if we can talk about that in part. Uh, let's maybe look at the blend of the physical versus digital experience piece, because that seems to be a big part of the conversation I'm hearing now, certainly this week here in New York. Um, let's start with the physical, physical experience component. There's a lot of discussion uh, around the world of this whole topic of the physical versus digital consumer experience. What can you tell us about what AT&T Business is currently doing in, in both of these spaces at, at the high level to start with? At the core of this is what's happening with the connectivity space. As you know, we are entering the era of 5G. Indeed. Okay? And 5G uh, fast technologies with very low response time allow you to create an incredible set of experiences that actually make it not a physical versus digital, but a physical and digital blend. Right. So let's just talk a little bit about what we're showing at NRF, right? If yes. you come at NRF, one of the things that we're showing is, what can we do with 5G capabilities? Mm -hmm. You walk into a store, we have several demonstrations out here, where if you think about a physical store, it's constrained in terms of how much inventory can you hold, okay? okay? With 5G, you can create a content rendering solution that allows you to almost create an endless aisle where right. all the inventory that you have can be actually projected onto a digital screen, allowing a customer to choose and browse. At the same time, those screens are actually scanning the customer to say, what's the demographic, what's the age, what can I show them from an immersive content mm -hmm. perspective? Mm -hmm. It's to the point where you even have technologies that allow you to virtually try on materials. Yeah. Now, as you're doing all of these elements, we are collecting information that allows you to personalize the experience in a way obviously that's anonymized and aggregated, but allows you to create and understand how should we shape the layout of our store? Where should we put our products and services? What are the different sets of things you engage with? That allows you to create a more personalized follow-up to yeah. that category of customer in a way that's very, very special. And that's a lot of what we're showing at the NRF floor today. Well, I think this meets another area that I've been doing a bunch of work on over the last few years, and that is that when we think about what businesses are doing in sales and marketing and advertising in particular, they've been focusing on demographics that you outlined before. And now it used to be sort of, you know, is it a boy or a girl? Is it a, you know, whatever race, religion, and credence they come from? Uh, you come up with the demographic, right? But these days, I think, the, the, from my point of view, certainly, this uh, celebrity customer experience is, has an expectation that the demographic is one, it's me. And how do you meet that? And, and looking at the demo you had on the floor here, um, what really struck me to what you were just talking about now is that I have now become a demographic of one. You, you can target me in, in, in a positive sense, and I don't mind being targeted because I want things that are relevant to me. I, I was watching someone do one of the demos today, realizing that even in 30 seconds walking through just the demo with the person standing in front of it and, and, and you know, as you said, whether the, it, it scans in some form and works out whether they're male or female, the height, the size, whatever, it was giving them stuff that related to them. And then when I stood in it later on, uh, I was probably the same height, same weight, I was roughly the same age and I was a male, I was getting completely different stuff. And I, I really liked the fact that you now have the ability uh, with the integration of all this technology to meet that demographic of one, which is, which is me. I wonder if you give us a couple of other examples of some of the technology solutions you've got on the floor here, because I know when you look at um, some of the underpinning challenges, you've got connectivity you mentioned, you've got the emerging uh, uh, rollout of 5G. Uh, I've seen examples of uh, Internet of Things, or IoT as we call it, and sensors integrated into that. You've got the underpinning data and analytics that, that make it intelligent, uh, but then you've also got the overlay of artificial intelligence and machine learning that activate that intelligence and that data. Uh, what are some of the other solutions you've got on the floor here in the live demos that we can sort of uh, uh, learn about? So let's set the context, right? Once you have 5G, 
you have incredibly fast and low response speeds. Remember, a lot of the content that's being rendered to make it a demographic of one or a personalized or immersive experience comes from data that's in the cloud. Indeed. The other aspect is the intersection of 5G and edge computing. Okay, so those are the technologies, 5G, edge computing, massive IoT, these are all characteristics that come together to create a really eye-popping, immersive experience, mm -hmm. right? Um, imagine when somebody walks into a store, right? And they want to basically have a uh, situation where they want to have dresses that actually fit yep. them in a way that's a little bit more personalized than, you know, female size two. Yeah, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just face it, that has never been a... Uh, methodology that really works, right? And if they're willing to opt in and work with you to be able to capture them from a volumetric 3D perspective, you're talking about massive amounts of computing power that's going into capturing that, uh, that body form yep. and yep. making sure that it's stored. Now, this all depends on the customer wanting to opt in. Of and it's a value exchange at this point in time. Mm. As a follow-up then, you can actually sell them marketing material. You can send them marketing material that allows them to see how would a particular dress look upon their body form. Right. That's a very different experience than what you would do. When you're thinking about personalizing, you also have to think about context. That's what IoT gives you. IoT allows you to record the context of the environment that you're in. Right. It could be what is the ambient temperature, what's the conditions under which you're operating. Yep. In a smart seat, it could tell you what are the conditions that define a particular state of a particular area. And all of these data sets can be captured to create really personalized and information-rich environments that allow you to get closer and closer to that holy grail of marketing, which is marketing to an audience of one. Now, all of that has to be done yeah, in the context yeah. of privacy and security, and that's one of the reasons that at and takes it very seriously. And we also have one of the largest cybersecurity divisions to make sure we safeguard that content and that trust you placed into us. Indeed, I was going to highlight that because uh, I, I know that you know with the recent acquisition of Alien Vault and, and now merged into NTT cybersecurity division under the brand of AT&T Cyber, uh, you've got more than a world-leading capability there. You've got the blend of consulting and professional services at the front end to the, the data protection side of things. You've got operationally the capability. Also, you've got the ability to integrate partners and, and, and third parties and customers' capabilities to blend all that in. I did like when I saw a couple of demos um, on the floor so far this week that a lot of the personalization could be done without me actually even telling who I am. As you said, you could tell my weight and height and even you know, potentially sex and so forth. I didn't have to give you any details about me. It just scanned me, worked out that I was a male, that I was six foot one and a half. Probably knew I needed to get my, my, leg in, my legs lengthened at some point. Uh, at six one and a half, it's the most annoying thing buying pants because you're not quite one size the other, right? But I didn't actually have to type anything in the screen. It just looked at me and said, right, you are a male, you're a six one, blah, blah, you know, this is what you need. And it personalized it without actually having to opt in at that point. I imagine that's only the last mile. I had to sort of say, well, now I want that, and I want it in blue, and I want it shipped to this address that I have to opt in, in which case, again, you've got edge networking, edge computing capabilities to do all that on-site without having moved in and out of the cloud, and you removed a lot of the security challenges. I wonder if we could delve a little bit further into the various aspects of that digital experience, particularly uh, with regard to what we were talking about earlier in leveraging the Xander platform. Um, when we think about this, from what I understand, there's a blend of sort of the whole advertising technology solution, uh, there's that personalization component. Um, walk us through how Xander delivers that personalized advertising capability, uh, or, or as it's referred to in the retail world, the addressable advertising capability. Um, maybe just give us a walk through sort of that, that solution capability and how it addresses that, that as, a, as an end solution from the retailer's point of view. So think, step back and think of AT&T has relationships with consumers that go much deeper Right, we have uh, we have uh, 
relationship with customers that are actually customers of DirecTV. Okay? Okay. So we have a very good sense at an anonymized, aggregated level, what are these customers watching, mm -hmm. right? We also understand who they are. So we can match what a particular demographic, a particular family type is actually watching from a audience perspective. Now this right. is all anonymized. Indeed. And so when a customer comes to us and say, I would like to reach this audience, we're not guessing. We know who these people are. We know how to deliver a message to them that's going to resonate with the things that they're likely to appear to. So it really is a very win-win-win situation in that we can actually take the advertisement or the marketing that's going to appeal to that particular customer and from an advertiser's perspective, we only deliver them the audience that they're looking for as opposed right. to taking a broad right. swath um, and, and hitting that element. So it really is the unique intersection of the fact that AT&T has connections with customers. Yeah. Okay. We understand the viewing habits of these customers and we have the ability to deliver a particular personalized advertisement at the point in the content that they're watching that allows us to kind of have these very unique capabilities today. Indeed, I think when you were talking about this earlier uh, with regard to what your role re and remit is, uh, it seemed to me that you've got this amazing uh, blend of the capabilities across each of the core brands around AT&T and AT&T Business and WarnerMedia, et cetera, and now underpinned by what Xander does, that, that, that each of those in its own right has a competitive advantage that it's hard for people to compete with. When you blend them together, it's almost unbeatable, I imagine, uh, which is exciting. But it's not about just being this world might. It's actually being able to, to, to do what you were talking about before, which is to, to hit that demographic one and find the content that I'm interested in, make it contextual to what I'm doing at the time and date. I'd, li I'd like to just um, maybe uh, take a slightly different direction now around, um, I mean, you've got some exciting things happening with regard to what you're doing with Warner Media and, and, and the Warner Media Group, uh, and certainly uh, inside AT&T Business. Um, on a broader scope globally, though, I mean, I'd like to talk about some of the opportunities and challenges currently facing, I guess, uh, retail industry, particularly along this uh, rapidly changing and emerging uh, consumer profile uh, space. As in, you know, we hear a lot about digital disruption, but we also hear about consumer-driven disruption. And I think underpinning all of that is this, this endless demand for a better and better quality service, customer experience, user ex experience, etc. With all this, I sort of look at it from the point of view of a consumer profile. How do we map that down? I'd love to get your sense of, of, of some of the opportunities and challenges you're facing now connecting both of those around the rapidly shifting uh, consumer profile itself and first, and then a couple of other areas in that space I'd love to delve into. But what are you seeing as far as the opportunities and challenges right now out in the market with that rapidly changing consumer profile and how you're addressing that challenge? So consumer viewing habits are changing dramatically right? There's a fragmentation of media, okay? On the other side, you have brands who are trying to reach these customers with the right messages, right? The more the fragmentation in the media, the more the change in terms of how customers want to be reached yep. and their expectations on the richness of that engagement, it's a constant treadmill. And it's very hard for brands to kind of say, how do I actually create a way to reach these customers across different media types, okay? to deliver them the right content in the right immersive way, mm -hmm. and then make sure that I'm delivering the advertising that's relevant to them. That's really where the different components of AT&T's piece parts come together. Right. And we're trying to say, okay, how do we blend 5G technology, edge computing, to create a very immersive experience that can engage the customers on whatever medium they might be, either physically or digitally or on the go, 
from a mobile perspective or on, frankly, linear satellite television right. that they're used right. to doing. Yep. But what you're serving up is personalized experiences. Okay. You're working with brands to create custom content that is reflective of the demographics of the users and allows them to work with those users in the context of the content that they're used to with the identities uh, of the celebrities that they identify with. And those right. are very unique elements that we can bring together to meet these constantly increasing expectations that consumers have. And we see, I mean, we've got an increasingly digitally connected uh, uh, consumer. We've got an increasingly mobile consumer. Um, is it the case that there are unique challenges around that more digitally engaged consumer, more mobile consumer? Or is it the case that the challenge between the sort of, as you said, the linear TV style experience all the way through to mobile devices is still really the same basic challenge? It's just a different medium you're delivering on. It certainly is uh, more than just the medium that you're delivering on, right? right? Because the content that you might absorb on a, on a mobile device might be very different than the content you're experiencing on a, on a, on a big 85-inch television right. set, right? And we work with those elements, and that's why it's particularly important that we can deliver content not across just the different mediums that they're absorbing in, whether it's be over the top, yeah. okay, or on a digital website, or whether it's beyond satellite TV, it's also the types of content that you provide. And that's where content ownership gives you a very significant advantage because you can clip and change that content right. to match the, the medium and the context in which they're engaging with you. For certain brands, we can also create custom, custom, uh, custom content experiences for them to engage with their customers. Yeah. And that's a very unique capability that we have as a company. Indeed, and, and, and I imagine that... Uh that even just the, the type of content consumption is changing dramatically. I mean, I know we, we hear the term binge watching. I mean, I have to admit that I, I caught myself doing it the other day and I didn't realize and I said to my kids, oh, I've just watched three things in one go. Uh, and they're like, oh, you're binge watching, Dad. And I'm like, mm, do I really know what binge watching even means? So I, ma I imagine that's a constantly shifting uh, sand scenario as well, where it's like once upon a time you'd sit down and watch the 9 o'clock news and you get a few ads served versus now I might be on a plane for 12 hours to come from Sydney to New York. I'm watching three different things, or three episodes of the same show back to back, and there's all these other, other opportunities you can, you can gather data from me and, and target me. Um, what are you seeing around the, the uh, consumer experience expectation from the, from the consumer side as to what they're demanding? You know, given that, as you just said, you can deliver different types of capabilities to different types of interfaces and devices, um, there must be a, a dramatic shift in the consumer experience expectation from consumers as to what they expect from retailers, uh, what retailers can actually meet, and, and I guess more importantly, the conversations that retailers are having with you on how to meet those expectations. But what are some of the biggest things you're seeing now from consumer expectations across those different types of platforms? First and foremost, consumers expect that they are going to interact with you the way they choose to interact. Right. They might walk into a store. They might choose to conduct and surf your website on a computer, a tablet, or a mobile phone. Right. When they do that and interact with you, they expect that you recognize who they are yep. and tailor the experiences to you. We often find that conversion improves when the engagement is around premium content, right? Okay. And as you mentioned, their viewing habits are changing. Mm. They mm. could be binge watching on a streaming platform at home, and oh, by the way, on the go, they could be info snacking. Yeah. on very small yeah. elements. Yeah. The question is, how do you actually make sure that you have content that meets the expectations and you weave in the marketing messages in the way that most, makes the most sense? Just recently, Xander announced a product called Pause Ads, right? 
let's say you're going through one of your binge watching episodes there's that your children called you out on <laughs> and you actually pause the medium yeah, well yeah. when you pause the medium we are not interrupting you there's a pause is there a way for us to insert an ad in that particular right, scenario right. we can do that that's one of the beauties of some of these new ad formats because they allow you to match the evolving preferences of your customers right okay. let's say you walk into a store okay and that store caters to a demographic that identifies very strongly with one of Warner Media's content properties well when you authenticate into the Wi-Fi on that store maybe we should unlock some episodes that you haven't seen yeah, so that yeah. they dwell longer they identify with your store better these are all the kinds of experiences that allow you to really match these changing needs of consumers which is hey recognize who i am yeah yeah tailor how you interact with me and oh by the way only show me that which i'm interested in in a way that is resonant to the way that i'm actually consuming media uh, i hate to admit it but I, i you know as a teenager when i first became aware of television or ads i used to loathe them because they they were interrupting content uh, i've seen a shift in the last year or so in my own behavior and that is it i'm actually in, looking forward to seeing the contents being served because i see it less as advertising more of information that pertains to me so much so i was in a, a shopping mall recently and used the the directory service screen at a large kiosk uh, probably bigger than my own tv uh and as i was doing that not only did it tell me where the store I was looking for was but it showed me three or four others like it that were not necessarily competitors but had similar product lines and even offered me suggestions like have you done a price comparison or availability and i sat there thinking hang on i just got served ad content but it actually wasn't in the traditional advertising format and I, i next time i went to the mall i immediately went looking for that to just make a smart decision because i didn't want to just go to one store and just make a decision on that's the only supplier and i realized that there's a shift that's happened which i'm sure you're empowering now where advertising probably needs a new name because it isn't just purely advertising anymore it's not infomercial it's not advertising it's just valuable content and and I was quite shocked because uh, I I like to think I'm up to date with all these things and yet there I was as a consumer myself getting a, a eureka moment this little, little aha um when you think about the space i guess you know there's a term immersive shopping that comes up as well the immersive shopping experience and i certainly saw that with the magic mirror uh standing there putting on i think it was a red jacket and it turned into blue and green um this must be something that you're seeing uh as a, as a large uh driving trend as well now where people are looking for that uh you know content related immersive shopping experience where whether it's the magic mirror and you can try things on or the augmented reality mixed reality sort of AR VR thing i mean we've seen pokemon change the world of gaming we're now seeing that in in retail are you seeing the immersive shopping experience becoming a, a big driving trend as well these days You know it comes back what we talked about earlier Des it's the blending of the physical and the digital how do you do that right. in a way that's not intrusive but really extends the shopping experience right sometimes you just need to come into physical stores to touch and feel the difficulty of the physical store as we talked about before is having the amount of inventory but what if you could have one piece in one color just for fit and oh by the way you can visualize how you look like by just flicking and changing the color of the dress you tried on in different areas that's what the magic mirror does that's right. easier said than done that magic mirror uh, really is a compute yeah. platform that is going to an edge compute server over a 5g connection rapidly changing what you're seeing and allowing you to accessorize and change that area right that's an immersive shopping experience that right. adds value to the customer and allows to blend the physical and the digital in a way that is just not possible in either just physical or just digital right. and that's the power of how technology and you know uh, solutions can come together in a 5g environment often times they want to see it in context 
Okay, yeah, that yeah, might mean yeah. surrounded by content that they're familiar with. That's something that allows us, again, we can do as a result of who we are as a company. Hopefully that gives you a sense of how yeah, we're blending the physical and the digital, how the magic mirror comes to life, how the endless aisle comes to life, right? And the volumetric capture that we talked about where you can literally fit a dress yeah, to your yeah. body type. And those are the ways in which we kind of want to build trust with, help our customers build trust with their customers. Because why else would you entrust your information to that customer unless yeah, yeah. they were willing to give you immersive, unique experiences that meet what you want. And, and I guess in many ways, when you think about what you're offering here, I mean, AT&T offers that full stack, as we, we generally call it these days, of services from the connectivity through to cybersecurity, as you mentioned, uh, through to the professional services piece. The core fabric of which I think is undergoing a tectonic shift uh, uh, as we see things like 5G being rolled out and deployed. Um, what role do you think that that connectivity piece in particular is playing in all of this when we think about the likes of edge computing and edge networking and one side of things all the way through to the augmented reality, mixed reality space? Uh, I imagine it's fair to say that connectivity is a, is a fundamental fabric component of this. Um, but what's your view of the role that connectivity plays in all of this as we shift from sort of the traditional legacy network technologies through to, to the likes of 5G? If you think about all the experiences and examples I've given, 5G or connectivity in general, whether it's 5G or it's a fast Ethernet connection or it's a fast Wi-Fi connection that connects back to our network, is fundamental to delivering the experience that I talked about, yeah. right? Because you're talking about transporting content and rendering it to a particular store for a person. How does that content get there? Yeah. Okay, let's just move away from an immersive experience. We're just talking about entertainment on the go. Mm. How mm. does your entertainment get to you if you're not sitting in front of a physical television? In yeah. the new world, it can go to any device. It gets rendered in the air. It gets delivered to your device fundamentally it's connectivity behind all of that, yeah. right? Yeah. And it can be done on the go, it can be done in a fixed environment, it can be done uh, in a situation where you're blending between environments and following you where you go. Connectivity is the lifeblood, right? So if you really think about the two mega trends, connectivity is exploding, content viewing is exploding, how do you bring yeah. those together? That's the mega trend that we're looking at and creating immersive experiences so our customers, who are made the, mo the biggest companies in the world, right, are actually engaging with their customers along those blended connectivity and content experiences. It's both the enabler and the game changer in many it ways. It really is. Well, I've, I've really appreciated your insights in, in kind of what you're doing yourself personally and professionally in your role. I've, I've certainly enjoyed the insights you've shared around what you're doing with regard to the, the recent merger and, and some of the technologies and certainly what you've shared with what's happening here at the uh, NRF 2020 event here in New York. Um, I wonder if we, uh, as a last thing, I can just ask you, uh, I, I tend to love to wrap up with giving my guests a virtual crystal ball if I, and get them to gaze into it for a moment and sort of just predict what you think we're going to see coming over the horizon next 12 to 18 months. With all of what we just talked about now, which is exciting in its own right, uh, if I was to hand you a virtual crystal ball and get you to gaze into that for a moment, I mean, what are some of the big things that you see coming over the horizon as the next 12 to 18 months? Particularly in the context, though, I guess listeners are going to be asking themselves, well, what should I be talking about in the boardroom currently within my organization? What should my heads of business uh, and different business units be talking about? What should we be talking about in the Scrum and Agile meetings from developers? What about the water cooler? Over the next 12 to 18 months, if you were to just gaze into a crystal ball for a moment, what are some of the things that you're seeing coming over the horizon that we should be thinking about and talking about that would be positively disruptive uh, in the retail space? 
You know, Des, when I think about looking ahead, I think it always helps to look back and see what happened in the past. Right. You know, the move from 3G to 4G was something a lot of companies didn't actually understand. When you actually get to the point where you can actually hit a button on your smartphone, okay, and enable your preferences and requirements to be shared with the number of people who want to service it, that gave rise to the sharing economy, okay? That brings out to Uber, Lyft, Airbnb. All of these things didn't exist before that technology came along. I want you to kind of just keep that in the back of your mind as we look forward. Today, the renditions of how you experience augmented reality, virtual reality, feel kind of clunky. You got these big headsets, you got backpack. I want you to, for a second, suspend that. And I want you to think ahead. When, when you deployed 5G, you got edge compute in place, so the computing is ambient. You can deliver technology with a latency that's so low that you cannot distinguish in reality and what is virtual. Okay? In that world, people are going to experience immersive, augmented reality experiences. You're going to live in a world of autonomous cars. When you live in a world of autonomous cars, what are they going to do in the car? They might want to that that increases content experience and viewing. Well, what is the context of the in-transit content experience that you're going to deliver? Okay? When somebody walks into a store, the expectation is not that you will just have what is in the store, but the ability to try on something in the store, store what they've shared with you, and then be able to find, go back and actually check that out. And so I want you to visualize this world in the future where your information is stored with the brands that you trust and return what they deliver you are rich, blended, physical and virtual experiences that allow you to tailor it to your personal needs. They surround it and shape their marketing messages in content that you want to see, okay, with characters that you identify with and you choose to interact and transact at the time when you feel comfortable. That's the world I see for the future. That's when I think the promise of 5G IoT, edge computing, content all come together to create a very personalized world for you. And I believe the biggest question that people should be asking us in the boardroom today is, how am I adapting my business and transforming my business, my business processes to deal with this bold new world? How do I march my company into this new decade to meet this new demanding consumer? And that's the journey that we are helping our customers make today. Well, it certainly left me uh, feeling like we have an exciting future ahead of us. And uh, I hate to admit it, but uh, I feel like doing more shopping now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's been absolutely fantastic to spend an hour with you. Thank you so much for making time to catch up with me. And I, I, I look forward to seeing a lot more on what's on the floor here this week at uh, NRF 2020 here in New York and, and interacting with some of your subject matter experts. And for listeners who have tuned in and gleaned a lot from this, I highly recommend to jump on the AT&T Business uh, website. There are a number of key portals around the space, particularly the retail space. Uh, and certainly follow us on, on social media yourself and your team and AT&T Business uh, and join that conversation through Twitter and LinkedIn and whatnot. And potentially not just join the conversation, but put the big questions to you. And uh, I'm sure one of your crew and your partners integrators will be more than willing, able and ready to uh, have a conversation with them about that or how they do exactly what you just mentioned, which is to prepare for that readiness, prepare for the adoption and, uh, and, and future-proof themselves in this space of retail and the technology that comes with it. Thanks for your time, and it's been great to catch up with you, and hopefully we'll have you back on the show again soon. Des, thank you. Really enjoyed our conversation. Look forward to speaking with you again as well.